This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. Welcome to another episode of Echoes in the Bones. This episode, we are blessed to have one of my associates for many years. He's an historian, he's a marketer, he's a publisher, he's an academic, a researcher. Carter Van Pelt, how are you? Dennis Howard, it's great to be here. I'm glad we had the chance to make this happen today. Yeah, Thanks for yes, of course. Listen, you have been in the business for a very long time, so I'd love for you to just give us uh, a sense of who Carter Van Pelt is so that listeners will understand how significant of a person you are. Well, I don't know if I can talk about significance, but <laughs> because you know what? It's over the years that the kinds of things that I've been involved with have changed. Most of them are under in the area of media. I have a background in broadcast journalism. So one constant for me th- for the last 30 years mm-hmm. since my undergraduate days is radio broadcasting something I've always done and something I think you know I do it with a, with a lot of passion and uh, most recently uh, I've been affiliated with Columbia University's WKCR um, but over the years I've done a, I've written a lot about Jamaican popular music I was talking to you earlier about the lack of media platforms there used to be physical printed magazines like yeah. the beat magazine reggae report and dub missive and i i was a regular contributor to those reggae times yeah i never contributed to reggae times but but in that era of print publications i was very active and something i felt very strongly about i love doing long form long form um articles and, inter- and interviews mm-hmm. then with the, the radio thing the opportunity at columbia university when i did my master's degree and to be involved with wkcr which is a preeminent it's the first FM radio station in the world. It's a preeminent jazz platform. So to be able to present Jamaican music, music on that station, mm-hmm. to me has has been. Um, I, it's just a really dignified space to to talk about the music. Which, yeah, you know, yeah, it's okay to talk about it with some intelligence. I think you once had a, a magazine yeah. of your own. Tell us yeah, about like that. a zine. We call yeah. them not not a full fledged magazine, but a, a quote unquote zine, which is a self published self-printed type of thing and i really did try and elevate that that was called 400 years and i did four editions of it and and i did it because i wanted to go in depth in a way that a a regular magazine wouldn't really Mm -hmm. want to carry a a transcript of a multi-thousand word interview with somebody but but i knew there were people out there who wanted that degree of depth with jamaican music because the stories are so interesting complicated Mm -hmm. and rich and they go down every alley and lane uh, of the music that you could imagine. So I did that for uh, a number of years while I was also writing for the other magazines. Um, yeah, and then now up into the into modern times, I've been, um, you know, music playlisting. Um, I've in 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 recent years, in addition to VP Records, where I'm the director of catalog, which I can talk about. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm the music curator for for Goldeneye, Chris Blackwell's Goldeneye, um, and I've done a series of of 
editorial playlists for VP records and, and just also for myself, because I love the, I think the digital space is very interesting for music. I'm still a record collector. Even this morning I was digging through records here, here in Jamaica cause I love it. But I also, I think that the digital space is so interesting and it's, it's a, it, I feel more connected than ever to what's going on because of it. So, so what's happening in terms of distribution and marketing from a from a Jamaican perspective, because the 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 the, the game has significantly right. changed, and I'm wondering if we are benefiting from it, or are we still at a disadvantage? Well, to the extent that you're you're, it's both. You're benefiting from it because everyone has access to their fans and fan fan direct marketing social media marketing is where it's at there is no um, there's there's no doubt that the artists getting direct access to their fans is an empowering thing and Jamaicans are empowered by that alongside everyone else to, to the extent that the problems you have here I've noticed it more on this trip than ever is like crazy random disconnection with with you know internet wi-fi cell phone data coverage and when you're trying to do those types of things and you do anything that requires connectivity and you're disrupted from that for whatever reason that's a disadvantage um i think that another disadvantage is that sometimes jamaicans don't crack the code of kind of the global language of the appeal of the of the music like, you know, you, I'll speak to you as, a, as Jamaican and Jamaicans in general, you know that the music is popular everywhere, but sometimes the reasons that it connects are not the same reasons that you might feel that it connects here. It doesn't connect for the same exact reasons. You know, whether it's the presentation style, certainly the content, the language, mm. the idiomatic types yeah. of things yeah. are very particular here. So... I mean, a perfect example of cracking the code, the best, best ever to do it was Bob Marley. He made, he made Jamaican music global. We, we at VP Records are just celebrating the release of We Remember Bob Andy because this is about a songwriting catalog of somebody whose music resonated globally. What he was talking about that meant something to people here in Jamaica, in Jamaica makes sense to people all over. Now, what about like this on the street music today whether it's valiant or intense or skang or you know i'm talking about the this realm of of chopper scammer mm. type music yeah that is a very narrow lane and does not does not appeal uh globally outside people who are involved in in similar activities to that mm. you know and that's that is just a small segment of 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 people if they can even understand the the language of it to begin with yeah so there is the issue of authenticity because yeah. on one level, when 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 in the past, uh, some people in the industry decided that they wanted to be more sanitized or be more adaptive in terms of the type of style that they did, some of that failed. Mm -hmm. But on a, and so there is the, the 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 demand for the Jamaican authenticity. But still, the authenticity that can re that's relatable. Yeah, and so that's on another level. And then, the, then there's the the level where, as you say, that the the the, 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 parochial, the parochial 
ness of the particular style and output now is not connecting, you know, and, 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 and so that is a problem too. So you have one on one side when you try to adopt too much, it fails. But when you stick to a kind of parochial reality, it fails also. It, it's always going to be a situation where it's going to, there's going to be this street, well, you could call it a street corner or the, you know, the, the gully side or I don't know. I'm not, I'm searching for terms, but just, I'm talking about that most authentic core relevant thing. Yeah, yeah. It's usually relevant to very young people because they're like taking ownership over their own expression. They don't want, you know, if they offend their parents, maybe they're happy with that. But whatever it is, it starts there and then people are paying attention to it and trying to figure out like, where's it going to go? There's certain artists who are celebrated. Maybe they break out. Maybe they don't. I mean, the, the last one to almost become a global phenomenon who did that straight from the street was, I want to say Vibes Cartel would be a good example of it. Although even he is not a household name, but he did become He's a I mean, to, people might say that's crazy. That I would say he's not a household name. Mm -hmm. He's a household name in dance hall, like one of the icons of dance hall music. But I can talk to very knowledgeable music people who know 101s of Jamaican music, and they just still don't know who Vibes Cartel is because the music is not fully relatable. Vibes Cartel did a wide array of types of material. He's branched out, and so he has relatable material, but it's not... He's still he's still not a household name. But if you talk about a valiant, for example, I just I, I kind of feel like he's like one of the most, you know, a lot of hit songs, a lot of popular buzz right now. Um, will will he transcend? It's and what does it take to do that? It's probably a relationship with a producer who has had some success in in bridging the gap, and the ability of the artist to listen. And, and, and adapt to suggestions. Either that, or it takes somebody like an artist, like, like a busy signal, who is a genius at taking street level sounds and then translating them into it, something that's somewhat more commercially viable. Although busy signal is not a household name either. Mm. His music um, on a lot of levels, I think it has a, a you know, like a, a production aesthetic and an appeal that, that can work. And he also like cartel will deal with different types of sounds, super hardcore to throwback reggae um, just crosses a lot of borders. So you mentioned yeah. the, the, the issue of not connecting and it's not crossing over, but I fear sometimes that it is not necessarily a, a, a issue of what the content is, is in out of the music, but some of the gatekeeping and some of the obstacles, the inherent obstacles within the American music system mm -hmm. that do doesn't allow for it to go through. Give you an example: the summer fling reality of 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 nineties and and two thousand dancehall, where a hot ninety seven or the the, the uh, uh, power one hundred five would would say, hey. All right, we're gonna select two songs for the summer from from the Jamaican catalog, and we're gonna run with that. And it's a big summer fling, and then after that, we'll forget it. Yeah, that's that's too is also an issue and a reality that we must face. 
Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I was a little bit oblivious to that for a while. Cause I think back during that era, I was more like when I was in my twenties, I was more like digging deep into the sixties and seventies. But I know that I've heard Shaggy complain about it most recently or talk about the phenomenon of exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If it's not summer, then we don't want to hear Caribbean music. It's, it's summer pool party music. It's a, it's a very dismissive, um, superficial um, kind of perspective on things, but I know it's real. And it's one of the things that you have to fight against. And then also there's the other issue of there's a lot of sharp elbows in black American music and a, and a, and a, and a sense that, you know, it's their territory to have their, their music representing the way they want to do it. And if for anyone else to get in, it's going to be very selective you know, I think I think you 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 listen to the Breakfast Club ever? Do you know the yeah, Breakfast yeah. Club show? Yeah, that's a really interesting environment because there you have like Angela Yee, who is one very particularly um, open-minded and Caribbean music-loving person, and then you've got a Charlemagne who absolutely just like doesn't want to hear. You he know, he doesn't like his. I don't like dancehall. He's a hundred percent into his own culture mm-hmm. and doesn't want this outside thing. He, he might he, but ironically say, yeah, I, I kind of like Bob Marley, but, <laughs> but yeah, there's barriers. There's barriers between black people and black music across, across the, that divide. Um, the other, the other um, structural thing that we were talking about a little while ago is how the DSPs, the digital streaming platforms gatekeep. You know, you thought we had a problem with payola once upon a time when there were however many hundreds or thousands of, of semi-corrupt radio DJs and, and program directors. Well, now you've got about half a dozen people. You don't even know who they're, what their names are. And they're, they're, they may come from more of a programming background than a music background. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones with all the power now. Um, you know, and, and, and in some cases we don't, we do not know who they are or how to, to, to get to them, to even give this music a chance other than, you know, you, you do your Spotify for artists submission and pray that they're going to, they're going to notice it alongside the other 10 to 20,000 releases per day that they have to deal with. I don't know. It's a, it's a, that is a problem for independent music. It's a problem for Caribbean music. Um, but it's a problem for independent music and, yeah, there, there are definitely this era that we're in is full of new challenges and new advantages. And some people are very savvy at navigating this environment and some are, are very stuck. But I think the one thing that is one thing that's for sure that I, I it kind of breaks my heart for some of the veteran artists is that they're really lost off of the off the grid with the social media stuff and not having not building a, a legacy following for who they are and their brand as a, as an artist. Sometimes you get the children of the of a, of a deceased artist who so will do a better job of managing a legacy. I think Marla Brown, Dennis Brown's daughter, does a better job of managing the Dennis Brown legacy on social media than a lot. And I won't call anyone's name out to to put them on blast, but a lot of like really big important veterans who are still alive, active, performing, but, but can't even find the login to their Instagram, you know? And that just like, that hurts to see that because the, the people who are doing these playlists at the DSP is they're going to go straight to that Instagram profile and see like how many followers do they have? What kind of engagement do they have? 
oh man, you know, it's not really much, much happening with this. So then if they don't have a label, forget it. And then there's the issue of investing because algorithms has, have changed. Apart from TikTok, which we'll talk about later, but apart from TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the algorithms have changed and the organic growth, you're not going to get that anymore. So you are, you have to be in a position to say, hey, I'm going to spend 100 US dollars a week or 100 US dollars a month, depending on your budget. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's need for you to not just post stuff, but also to improve the reach. Because if you don't do that, You'll have you'll have a, a digital presence, but in terms of our reach, that's another issue. You'll be sitting there waiting for your your winning lottery ticket of, of some kind of like flare up of organic, uh, you know, virality that may never happen. You might never win that lottery ticket. So yeah, you have to you have to try and look at the things that seem to resonate more with people. Why did this post get 150 likes and the next one got 50? Well. If the one has 150 and that's outside of your norm, throw some throw some extra money on it, and and that will cause it to be pushed in front of more people. And if they're already kind of liking it, they odds are yeah. that it will do it'll perform well with it, with a little boost. It's it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I was at the Jams seminar recently, and I was surprised to hear that there we were still talking about passing legislation for Piola. And I'm saying, guys, what are we talking about? Hmm. Having a wasting time and money and effort to have a Piola law when the, the, the game has changed so significantly that radio is not, despite the fact that we're still saying that radio is influential. Yes, it is. But in this digital age, what are we talking about? I, I don't think... Piola laws have never even worked in the United States. And I'm sure it's not going to work here. And so we are going to have laws on the books, very punitive laws as usual because we are colonists mm -hmm. and colonial. And so we are very punitive. You must go to prison for right. everything. And it's not, it's not going to work because it's not going to be necessary. And sometimes I find that we are in the modality of an old school mentality that suggests that radio stations were set up to play people music for free, mm. and that piola is not is 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 a specific type of act which is non-disclosure of money paid for for airplay. But there's legitimate avenues for people to pay for pub publicity. So it's not like you don't need money to pr promote on, under any circumstances you will have to have money to promote because the days of radio, just picking up your song because you submitted it and say, hey, this is a great song and I, and I must play it. Or that radio have an obligation to pay your song. I still think that a lot of producers, people in the collective agencies still have that notion that radio was set up to play their music and all, and all I needed to do was to just produce music and it's being played. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a crazy scenario. And because of your experience overseas, tell us what it takes to really promote a song in, 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 in the States. Well, I am, you know, as much as I 
when I got into this job as director of catalog development, um, I knew about music history, music and the history of the music. And I definitely came with a, 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 a lot of years of listening and my own sense of taste, but I didn't come to it necessarily with what I considered to be music marketing experience around recorded music. So for me, I'm learning it from the people who have been at VP before me and also based on my own intuition and what I'm able to, what I belong to understand on my own. And I still think that it's such an inexact science that you really, there are no sure things and you can't go into a project and, and say, even if we're methodically organized and we check off all the boxes of all like, making all the key people who, who we think will be champions of this release or in, influencers about this release, you check off all those boxes and the thing still just might not take off. And, it, and, it, and the number of, if you're talking about streaming, the number of streams that are required to um, move, the, move the needle in terms of like recouping the expenditure of the recording, it, it takes a lot. And I think that it's like, for I, I, the old, the old kind of analogy in the music business was a label would invest in ten projects, knowing that nine of them were going to lose money, and the, the tenth one hopefully was going to make enough to pull all the rest of them along. I think it's still a lot like that now, but you just have to keep an inventory of of who are all of the people. You just have to know a lot about people in in the in the universe of of this music, who they are and what they're interested in and communicate with them appropriately and not just spam everyone with the same stuff all the time. That's why, I mean, from a catalog development point of view, I try to keep a very specific subset of all of the radio and media people who I know are interested in classic music. I'm not going to be giving like the up-to-date dancehall DJ a, 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 a bunny strikerly organ instrumental. He's going to, he's, if, if that's what comes in his inbox from me, he's going to ignore the, 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 the next email with something that might actually be of interest to him. You also have to recognize too, that, you know, look, check your own habits as far as your, your inbox and the messages that you take in and how much does it take to get a message through to you? I mean, I don't know about you, maybe you have a, like a really high level of engagement with all your communication, but for me, like, man, there's so much coming at me whether it's DMS or emails or whatever that I, I know I miss things that are important. I've had people send me releases that I would later connect with. And I'm kind of embarrassed. It's like, Oh man, I didn't read that email. I didn't notice that, but they did try to, to get it to me. So what does that mean from the marketer? Point Overload is real. The marketer then has to have, try to have the yeah. tools to look. So look at your, look at your, your mailing, your mailing system that tells you whether the message was open and a link was clicked and pay attention. Like I want to fall, I want to see, you know, my friend, David Rodigan, I want to see if he opened my email and if he clicked on the link in it, or if it just kind of sat there. And I look, I look at all the key people and try to determine whether they're actually engaging with the, with the material that I send out. Um, so I think that's part of it. I'm going on a tangent on your question, but there's so many aspects of it. I think each release has just a different, the, we remember Bob Andy has taught me as if I didn't know just how, much you have to pay attention to who your potential audience is and how people engage with music. Bob Andy was in, this incredible singer songwriter, 
But a lot of people can love reggae. They can love Taurus Riley and not still not care who Bob Andy is, mm. but still listen to his version of Desperate Lover. Still never connect with who who why why this is out. It's like it's just a song to them. It's a, it's a, this cool nice Taurus Riley lover song. So they're listening to it and they like it. Well, that's a success. But I, at the same time, I, I'm I'm so focused on boy, I've got to make everyone know that Bob Andy was a genius that I might waste some time on, on overdoing that, mm -hmm. you know, like over one thing that I would probably be guilty of because of the, my nature of interest in this is over intellectualizing the, the thing. It's just like it, music at the end of the day is for people's enjoyment. Some people, they go deeper into it than others. Some just want to vibe a song. So you can't overdo it. Um, I think the Bob Andy story is a very challenging one to tell because there's so many nuanced threads to go through it and it's got there's some distance in time between like the real relevance of the catalog yeah. the catalog was relevant and and continued to you know songs being remade and rhythms being remade for 30 plus years but i don't hear you know let's go back to valiant again why not because i keep bringing him up i don't hear valiant writing the unchained rhythm or any of the producers that valiant works with like referencing bob andy it'd be cool if they did and it's never out of the question but you know, when the, when the relevance starts to recede and now I'm trying to tell the story, who am I telling it to? I'm telling it to people, you're in my age, maybe uh, within 10, 15 years younger, but probably like getting people who are like in their twenties to really be interested in who Bob Andy was. Mm -hmm. That's a very special 20 year old. that's going to, that's going to want to know about that, like deep history. So I think what I'm saying, if there's a summary of, across the board of all the stuff, that I'm talking about, it's, it's try to understand the environment that you're in and who, and who the, who the, the best case scenario, most likely customers, quote unquote customers are for what you're putting out there and just trying to get the, use the, your ability to target your message and get it to those people. And, you know, easier said than done. Yeah. But I know that's, I know that's what it, I know that's what it's about. We're talking about, old 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 technology and oldies and all of that and some people as i mentioned earlier consider radio passe in some sense and might not be as relevant what what is your position we are a radio person yeah so what what what, what is your position with the digital age you know quick moving yeah. fast and furious what, what what is is radio terrestrial radio going to survive? Is radio emerging now? I see there was a, a move towards internet radio. We have seen that slow uh, slow down somewhat. What is the, what is the state of radio? Well, what, what online and 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 terrestrial from your standpoint. I, I don't have any numeric background and I haven't read any anything like academic on that would give me a good perspective on where it is now versus where it was. So it's anecdotal and I agree with you the way you characterize it. Yeah, it's receded, but I don't think it will become irrelevant because what we're doing right now, sitting here doing a podcast, is a direct derivative of radio. This is a talk show, basically. But what, what's different now is that the, the media market is so fragmented that you and I aren't on um, RJR doing this. We're doing it on, on your laptop for your direct to your audience. So we're in this fragmented media environment. And I think that as far as radio goes, radio will continue to have an audience 
as long as it's free and it's inherently free. So it's the low barrier. It's technologically, it's reliable. You know, when the internet goes down, if you still have an analog radio, that's still going to work. I still see that as appealing in a place like Jamaica. It's just as easy to, to flip the radio on in the corner shop and there's still an audience for that. And I think to the extent that radio stations are programmed by people who understand their audience, they can build community around it. And everybody loves community. You like the familiarity of listening to that voice who you trust. You, you know, it's like what time of the day you listen and you know that you turn on the radio. It's your habit. You hear that voice, that presenter is doing something that, that resonates with you. That's why radio works. And I think that, that I think it will continue it makes sense to me. Maybe I'm so in it that I don't want to say, oh, it's done. And I've heard the radio is dead thing many times. And, the, you know, if you look at, okay, is street- From the advent of television, they said radio right. would, would have died. So let's look at the, 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 the thing that would kill it. If anything would kill it, it would be, one, this kind of the fragmentation of the, the media market, but also the streaming, the on-demand. I can, I can create my own radio station now, which is my playlist. But that isolates you from community. Even if you are doing it and have followers of it, you're still not directly like you're not a real personality that, that has engages that audience. It's in the same way. It's too different. It's too different. I think, I think there's a place for both. There's a, there's an interesting new platform that I'm going to blank on the name of it and hopefully I'll be able to, I'll be able to call it up. It's called station head. And I'm going to be doing something on station head soon with the people at root fire, but station head basically integrates. Um, it's kind of like start your own radio station. You, you're familiar with it. You're yeah. nodding. Yeah. So it touches the, the, your preferred streaming platform. So you can sit and we could have this conversation right now, if we were doing this on station head and we could legally play, music through station head. Not a bad idea for you, my, my friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, it's the, the, the digital DSP era alternative to radio. But again, I tend to not like the fragmentation. I do like democratization. I do like it when an individual has the ability to say, I think I can do that better than the guy who's on the station at the same time. A lot of people think that they can do it they would benefit from some formal training, you know, and I sort of do like kind of the, the formality of if you're going to be on a radio station, presumably you get some training in broadcasting and you, and you do understand the, the theory behind it. Again, I'm in that I was trained that way. I think that there are things about learning formal ways to present that make for better radio rather than just like taking the dance hall and putting it on the radio and the guys, you know, or sounding like you're on a sound system. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which Biggest is, problem. Which is the norm for, norm for Jamaican for radio. For Jamaican radio outside. Well, even Jamaica now. Because they made the mistake of transferring sound system selectors to mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. Uh, in, in the age of neoliberalism. Yeah. yeah. And, and and cutting cost and right, right. All, all and, that, and, all and, and, and as much as those guys are authentic, they're super annoying. They're super annoying and they're, and they create more, ba- they, they would never believe that they're not like superstars and doing everything the way they should, but they create so many barriers and they turn so many people off. They turn so many people away by, so, by, by getting in front of the music. And that's one of the reasons why consistently over the years, the radio audience in Jamaica has been dwindling 
because one of the last surveys I saw, it was under a million mm. in terms of, okay. of, of, of regular listeners, which back in the day, when, when, when in the heyday of radio, one of the heydays of radio, Barry Garden had 1.2 million people listening mm-hmm. to him in the afternoon mm-hmm. on one station. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen again. Mm-hmm. 